Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does shame even mean to you guys within your mental health journeys because you are so vocal about it? It's a scary thing to start to open up in the first place. You know, yeah. even the first step of going to see a therapist for the first time, like that is already so daunting. And then talking about it in your, our music. I mean, there were so many songs that we didn't even want to put out. And then at the end of the day, we were like, we write these songs for ourselves, but also for other people. So we want to put them out. We want to hear people's reactions to them. We hope that it does what it did for us, mm-hmm. for other people. Welcome back to Redefine You, a conversation for well-being, where we have open and honest conversations. I'm your host, Haley Hasselhoff. Redefine You is meant to inspire you to look within and guide you to lead a life being grounded in you. Too often, the word art is applied to work that is out of touch, elitist, inaccessible, and unapproachable. My guests today embody the original meaning of the word connection. At first glance, these two best friends and musical soulmates appear as glamorous, beautiful young women with the world at their feet. Record deals, tens of millions of streams, touring with Selena Gomez, millions of followers, and incredible talent. But there is a lot more to their story with these two. Loss, heartbreak, mistakes, and costly battles with mental and emotional health. The Bahari Girls, Ruby Carr and Natalia Panzarella, are here for the whole truth. Their new song, Bipolar, has had a profound impact, helping millions feel connected to life and to face problems with hope and strength. Welcome to the show, Ruby and Natalia. Hi, Hi, ladies. Hi. I'm so excited to finally see both of you. I I know know we did... (laughs) We did something previously with Project yeah. Healthy Minds for the audience to know, but Ruby, I didn't get to see you. So it's I so know nice I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm so glad we could like reschedule something else so both of us could be here. I, I had serious FOMO. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so happy you're here too. Guys, so as I like to start off every episode, I like to ask my guests if you were to check in with yourself right here, right now, what would you both find individually? Um, I think we would find, well, at least for me, that um, I think I've come a long way from where I was even a couple of months ago, you Mm -hmm. know, or, you know, since even the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like we've both had so much time to self-reflect. So I think I'd be like, oh, good job. You finally faced the things that you haven't wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, I think this past year did that for a lot of us. And I'd love to tap into that even more a little bit later. What about you, Natalia? Where are you at? I guess the very similar thing that I've just feel like I've come a long way yeah, since the beginning of the pandemic as well. And just like bettering my mental health and understanding and being more comfortable talking about it. Yeah. And that's made me feel a lot better. So if I would check in, I would be feeling good. <laughs> 
Well, I think one of the things that I'm hearing is that maybe this pandemic slowed things down for you guys to kind of reflect within. And even though you've been singing and writing about your mental well-being journey, maybe it hasn't been the right time to actually face what your daily practice looks like. So maybe let's start there. You know, what's in your daily practice now or what have you guys been putting into play to really tap in? Well, I think definitely this pandemic kind of made us sit back. And suddenly we weren't being overloading ourselves with so much work that we could actually take a look at ourselves and be like, oh, there are a lot of things that we are unhappy with or that we have to work on. So I think not being on tour and not having to go to the studio every single day and doing all of that really made us just kind of sit back and be like, what should we do in our day-to-day lives that'll improve ourselves? And that's definitely what we've done over the past two years, even though we definitely haven't got it perfect yet. what does that look like? You know, what what have you done in being able to kind of really tap within? I think for me personally, like staying home a lot has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to be like really busy all the time and like make so many plans all the time to just kind of keep myself busy so I don't have to like think about stuff. And I think just finally being able to be like, you know what, I don't want to go out tonight. I just want to stay at home alone and hang out with my cat and like watch a movie by myself and you know read a book or write in my journal or whatever it is I think that's definitely helped a lot and also having a routine has helped because we definitely did not have a routine before (laughs) we just kind of had to wake up and be like where are we what are we doing today I love that you're literally like I just want to stay home with my cat I just got a kitten and I mean I'm obsessed like it's a it's a joke like I literally have like a sick obsession with him like he's the best (laughs) thing ever I mean I don't know about your cat is he like loving like my cat's really loving so loving I don't think he signed up to be an emotional support cat but that's definitely what he is (laughs) his job it's his job but he's the most loving I don't know what happened to him he's perfect like anytime I'm sad or upset he comes and sits on me and he like licks my face he's adorable is he you guys' cat together or is he just your cat yeah we well, it's her cat, and we then I have a dog that yeah. we share. We've lived to, like I'm the father of her dog. She's the mm-hmm. father to my cat. We co-parent both of them. Yeah. <laughs> amen, sisters. Amen. I know. I mean, I think that animals people forget. You know, they can really become a great part of helping you through your healing process. Definitely. And yeah, so many people are scared of cats. That's the funniest thing. People are like, oh, like they're not cuddly. And I'm like, no, but they are. If you like, raise when- them right, they are true. so cuddly. Thank you. Thank you. Taught you. Me that. I did. She yeah. was scared of cats before we moved in together. She was I so had never had a cat, so I didn't know what to do. They're very different. <laughs> I'm like, I go up to my cat and it's like, I used to be like more gentle. I'm like, give me the space. I mean, what about you? So do you think that kind of staying home or being forced to stay home sort of helped you kind of reflect within and figure out, you know, spending time with myself? Was it daunting or was it exhilarating? I mean, I think in the beginning, because we were on tour when the pandemic hit. So it was like very much like, go, go, go. And then everything just stopped. So, but I mean, we had each other, honestly, yeah. so it wasn't too hard. Luckily we had, I think the most daunting part of it was just, you know, what she said, like being on the road yeah. so much, there's so much adrenaline every single day. You're kind of just being thrown around. You're like waking up. You don't know where you are. You're just going on stage. You're having the best time ever. And then suddenly it all comes to a screeching halt. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> you wake up every day and it's 
this was, you know, no one could go outside or anything. And we were used to like playing really fun shows every single night. So yeah. I think it was a bit scary at first because we kind of like would wake up in the morning and be like, do we like write a song or do we just sit here and like be confused about what's <laughs> happening? So it took us yeah. a while to kind of get back into like writing songs. Definitely for the first month or two, we were just kind of like a bit thrown off. I mean, like, I don't know what to do with ourselves every day, but yeah. I think it was necessary. Well, during this period of time, you obviously had a hit single that came out, which was called Bipolar. And I want to tap into this because it's such an impactful, impactful piece of information. You know, we talk so much on the show and just in general about the vocabulary that we use and being able to put faces towards mental health conditions that people can then normalize and not be fearful of. And I think that's exactly what you guys' song did. I want to read out a couple different comments that came from the song, from your support to kind of let you guys even in who's listening on how much this really has impacted somebody by just knowing that they're not alone in that struggle or maybe just identifying what bipolar means to them in their own personal life or relationship. So one of the comments was being bipolar is not fun, but when you add all the other diagnoses from the docs, it's hard to handle and to be able to fit in and feel normal. I understand this song. Another one was, I really can't get this song out of my head, playing this over and over and over and over again. And another one that said, this is amazing. I'm not bipolar, but this song is so relatable. The way you girls have done this video is nothing short of excellent. So proud. So can we just touch in this for a second? You released Bipolar on the 5th of May. Mm -hmm. And this song really signifies and validates so much of what you were going through, Natalia, unknowingly at the time. Why do you think this song had such an impact before you even tapped into your own mental well-being journey? I mean, by the time we put it out, I was well more aware of what was kind of going on with my mental health and with what I was dealing with on a day to day. But yeah, we've always kind of done that in our songwriting. We've kind of written something before it actually happens or I'll be like, oh, why did we feel like that? And then later it will make sense. Yeah. I also think writing for us, seeing is it's such a cathartic thing. Sometimes I think facing what we've written about, because sometimes it just like flows and then you're like, oh, wow, why did I say that? There must be a reason behind that. And then it kind of makes you self-reflect on it yourself. But I definitely think with this song, just the song in itself, you know, like we spent so much time in the studio being like, oh, should we even say the word bipolar in the song? Yeah. Should yeah. we cut it out? Like we tried that multiple times and we're like, no, it's just not right. And then we're like, should we not even call it bipolar? And then one day we were just like, you know what? We're just going to do it because it's just as polarizing as it is to live with that every single day. And so I think it was a risk for us. We were definitely nervous. You know, we didn't want people, you know, it's scary putting something like that out there and being so vulnerable. So once we started to hear people's reactions, I think it yeah. definitely made us feel less alone, knowing that other people felt less alone going through it by listening to it. Yeah, yeah. of course. But isn't it that at this time when you wrote this, were you already diagnosed with bipolar Natalia? No, not yet. I just, uh, I, I knew I was pretty sure, but it was something I was kind of in denial with for a minute. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think eventually when I started to get help and understand what was going on, I was like, okay, I definitely feel more comfortable now sharing this song because I know for real, that's what I'm going through. 
Yeah. And it was my truth, you know, and, and with what I was going through and experiencing with being bipolar, Ruby was also experiencing a lot with anxiety and that was affecting her relationships as well. So we were able to come together and write this song together and both really share experiences mm-hmm. with it. And I think that's why it's more relatable to people and getting to hear people react to it or respond is why we continue to write, I think, about such personal things. Well, I think it's amazing and I think it's bold and I think that it's needed and, you know, it's cosmic enough that you wrote the song before you even were diagnosed with bipolar and then to then be diagnosed with it is a whole nother, you know, definition of really trying to have people understand that you can struggle or have a mental health condition and still live a beautiful, successful life. And I think that you're a wonderful example of that. And, you know, Ruby, I'm not leaving you out here because you're a wonderful (laughs) supporter. And I think that that's an amazing thing, you know, for you guys to put coping through creativity at the forefront Mm -hmm. of your music career is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, Can we back up a second though, because I do think that for somebody who may be listening, you know, there are so many misconceptions about being bipolar and I want to be able to break those because you are so beautiful and you are so strong. And I think it's really important to kind of let people in a little bit to know one also just, you know, how were you diagnosed? Cause I think that's a really interesting sort of placate of like, what did you see within your relationship with each other that you started to think maybe, you know, I should go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist to figure out maybe if there's something else going on. I mean, everyone's story is different. And obviously I'm not like a professional, so I don't, you know, if this is just my experience, but for me, it was, I was having a lot of panic attacks and like getting really angry at myself for, I just ended up like just getting to a place where I had like lost trust with my emotions. And I was really like open with Ruby about it. And I was like, I'm sorry, like, I don't know what's happening. And that was kind of when I got to a point where I was like, okay, like I, for me and for my relationships all in my life, like I want to go and get help and figure out if there's a way, I didn't even know at that time, if there's a way to get help and get better. And after doing that, it's honestly been such a relief to like wake up and have way more good days. I still have low days but it's really been a better balance and it's been really helpful for me. I think it's wonderful. You know, I think it's wonderful that you have taken the step to even talk openly about it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it allows for other people not to be so fearful when there's other things going on. You know, Ruby is somebody who has sort of supported her through this journey and also, you know, written about it. What is your sort of relationship with your supporters through this period of time? Like how has how have you seen it sort of shift people to understand that uh, it can happen to anybody and that it's a normal conversation to have? I think, you know, for me, I knew nothing about bipolar disorder at all. And I think both of us kind of, you know, she would talk to me so much about what was going on and we would be so open about talking about it and be like, well, what did you feel in that moment? You know, before either of us even realized that she had a potential diagnosis, was like, well, what did you feel at that time? And we would both like sit and do research and like look it up and be like, what does that mean? Like, is it okay to feel that way? Of course it's okay to feel that way. And like, there are so many different people you can talk to and there's so many different options for treatment for something like this. And so I think it's just being there for someone through it is so important because yeah, 
especially with, I think, any mental health diagnosis, it really makes you feel alone. And so I think just knowing that if you have a loved one or someone that is going through that, like you just have to be there for them, like no matter what. It's not about you. It's not about anyone else. It's about them and what they're going through. Yeah. And validation is key, right? So it's yeah. whatever somebody comes to you with, just validate them for what they're mm-hmm. feeling because they're feeling it. So mm-hmm. you can, you know, and then referring them to the right resources that they need in that point in time. I'm curious though, because like what was going on in your life during the time that you guys wrote the song? It's a lot of like ups and downs, I <laughs> yeah. think in our relationships and my relationship with myself, which I think was something yeah. we could relate to as well. We were like in you know yeah I think I was also in like a really crazy relationship like I was just having like (laughs) fights with my boyfriend and like it was so up and down like it was one minute we loved each other the next we like really did not at all and so I was just like talking to to Natalia about that and I was like I feel like I'm literally going crazy like I'm losing my mind and I don't know what to do about it and so I think whenever we write a song you know, it could be about one of our specific personal experiences, but most of the time it must be a bit confusing for some people because there's definitely both of our little stories like spliced into the song. And so I think that's what it was, what it meant to me at the time when I was writing it with her. And I think also just talking about our own battles with ourselves too. Yeah. That's definitely like one of the biggest meanings in the song. I think another thing is like you guys are really tapping into living authentically through your music and beyond without shame. And yeah. I'd be curious to know, you know, what does shame even mean to you guys within your mental health journeys because you are so vocal about it? I mean, I think it's it's a scary thing to start to open up in the first place, you know, even the first step of going to see a therapist for the first time, like that is already so daunting. And then talking about it in our music. I mean, there were so many songs that we didn't even want to put out because we were like, Oh, that might be a bit too dark or like a little bit too Mm. vulnerable, a bit too personal. Like maybe people won't understand or anything. And then at the end of the day, we were like, we have, we write these songs for ourselves, but also for other people. So We want to put them out. We want to hear people's reactions to them. We hope that it does what it did for us, Mm -hmm. for other people. Yeah. I mean, and you're not alone. Like, hey, I just came out, you know, the past couple of years about my mental health journey. And, you know, previously I've been a body activist for so many years, which, you know, praise the Lord for that, you know, it fell on my lap and I was able Mm -hmm. to have that voice, but I never talked about anxiety. I never talked about depression until now. And it still can be a daunting experience. It's not a shameful experience. It's, it can be daunting at times, but I think the dauntingness for me, at least, and I don't know if you guys feel the same, is more so because people want to put words in your mouth about your own experience or they want to be able to categorize that one person's lived experience with anxiety or depression is exactly the same. And then you're like, no, 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 we like, where did, where did my experience with anxiety now get twisted into like somebody else's experience? And now nobody knows how to go back or I'm not being authentic because that's not my lived experience. Yeah. And I think what's also scary about it is, you know, we're still trying to figure it out. Like we don't even every day, you know, is a different journey for us. So like some days we'll be feeling great and wanting to talk about it. And then other days we're not. And so it's really interesting because I think mental health has become something that, you know, is more open that more people are feeling like they can talk about. But with that also comes, you know, doing interviews where someone will give us 30 seconds to talk about something like that. And we're like, oh, well, we're not entirely sure what to say here. Yeah. So 
yeah, I think it's just scary. And it's just also like realizing, you know, it's scary enough, like putting it into lyrics, but then it's also more daunting being like, oh, saying this out loud, being like, oh, this is what I deal with every single day. This is what she deals with every single day. I think that it it depends. It does depend on where you are and how you speak about it. And I think it's also about taking off the layer of knowing that it's an ever evolving experience. Like one day you're good. The next day you're not one moment. You're good. The next moment you're not. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But when you are in the public eye and you are fearlessly speaking about it on an ongoing basis, it's like sort of like body acceptance, right? People want to fight against if you're body positive, then you can't have a bad day. And I'm like, no, no, no. You can have good days. You can have bad days. You need to have those bad days to get back to your good ones. And that's okay. But you know, when you guys are dealing with this and having to go on and speak about these things that are so personal because the songs resonate so much with your personal stories, do you feel like sometimes that can bring up other emotions? And if so, you know, what do you do to sort of combat those or to walk alongside them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone has low days and high days. And I think sometimes it's harder to talk about, but the more that I've been open about it and the more that I've talked about it and gotten a really, you know, warm response because a lot of people can relate to it. It's made me way more comfortable and kind of more understanding of why I should talk about it and I should be open about it. Because if it helps me heal, hopefully it will help other people heal. And especially after playing that song live, I think we both really learned that. Like getting responses from people right after we would play the song was like such a cool experience and something that I would never want to like miss out on. But definitely some days it's harder than others, but it's always worth it. And I think, you know, for me, Natalia has definitely helped me a lot be more open about talking about mental health and just daily struggles like that because I definitely did not do that for a very long time yeah and you know she would come to me and ask me like how are you I'm like I'm great how are you (laughs) you know for like the longest time and so I think just having each other is like so encouraging because like you know we'll do zoom interviews or whatever and if we're feeling anxious or nervous like you know, you can't see, but we're like holding our hands like under the table and being like, it's okay. You got this. Like, you can get through it. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. So I think that's definitely the most helpful thing. Yeah. At least we're not doing it by ourselves. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about you guys. You know, let's back it up a bit. Let's talk about your upbringings. I mean, Natalia, you obviously, you grew up in Nashville, then transferred over to LA. Ruby, you grew up in Kenya, but then you moved to Los Angeles at 16. You guys found each other in a music studio, were able to kind of find that coping through creativity spoke to both of you guys in such an authentic way. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the coolest things that when I spoke last to Natalia, and I know a little bit about you guys' past that I found out was, you know, a lot of what you guys related on was the emotional journeys that you guys were, were currently on. And I think at that age, it's a really hard time for anybody to sort of have the vocabulary to be like, I have anxiety, I have depression, but you're feeling the feels and you're feeling them deep and you don't know where yeah. to put them. <laughs> like, yeah, so exactly. I know that, you know, that sort of encouraged you guys to write your first single, which was Wild Ones. But what back then made you feel like you both were experiencing a sense of anxiety or depression? I think, you know, at least for me, I didn't understand that at the time. I do now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's what that was. Mm -hmm. But definitely at the time, you know, when growing up where I did, and maybe it's just within my family or my surroundings, like that's not something that's really spoken of. Like, oh, 
if you're dealing with something, you know, I have an amazing mother who's always given me the best advice and she's been so supportive of everything and she would always like guide me through it, but it was never a conversation about mental health with anything. And so I think moving here and meeting Natalia and her being already at 16 and being so open about it, I was like, whoa, (laughs) okay, maybe this is what's going on. And I definitely did not identify that until much later in life when I looked back and been like, oh, that's why I was feeling that way. And I think being alone, I moved to LA by myself at 16. And at that time, you know, you think you're so mature and you think you have it all figured out. And I definitely did think that, um, (laughs) which was not the case at all. (laughs) Um, So I just think meeting each other and I was just out here by myself and I was like, Hey, I don't have any friends. Like, do you want to hang out with me? I don't know anyone here. Like, let's do this. And then we kind of just started writing this song and we felt the same way about like, she would come up with a line. I'd be like, that's exactly how I feel. How did you know that? <laughs> um, and so I think that's just really what brought us together. Yeah. But I mean, I think at that age for all of us, like even for myself, I look back and I had a ton of social anxiety and I, I went back there and I was like, back then I thought I was cool. You know, I just thought like, okay, I don't want to go to school. I want to paint. I want to do something creative rather than like having to deal with all of that. But I look back and I'm like, no girl, you had a lot of social anxiety. Like that's what that was. Like if, you know, if I could placate off of that and when you have the right vocabulary, it's like a layer of the fear comes off. You know, you go like, all right, I can sit in this pocket now because I know what's up. I know somebody else has survived this and I'm going to survive it too. And I think that's exactly what you guys are consistently doing with everything you're approaching is being able to allow other people to understand that it's okay to have vocabulary towards the feelings that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can actually guide you into a beautiful creative space. I also, yeah, I think like being able to define what you're feeling and using vocabulary about it kind of like gives you back your power over it. You Mm -hmm. know, it kind of makes you realize, oh, that's, you can identify it. Like that's what's happening. It's not just, you know, it is who you are and it's a part of who you are, but it doesn't define you, you know? And so being able to separate your anxiety from you as a person, I think has really helped me a lot. Yeah. And I think a lot of your, you know, a lot of the people who are obviously following both you guys are in the Gen Z sort of generation. And I mean, if you could sort of give back them knowledge about what you wish you knew back then, what would you say? Just take it a lot easier on myself. <laughs> I yeah. think. I think I think I would because when you're that age, and you know, I don't think it's really defined to one specific age, but I think especially when you're growing up and learning who you are and learning mm-hmm. parts of yourself, I think you think everything is like you don't see past a certain point, you know. And I think for me. I would tell myself, I'd be like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) You'll be fine. You'll look back at this and it just made you stronger and it's going to be all right. But I think definitely at the time I was like, this is the end. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, sorry. My cat's just. (laughs) No, my God, bring. There he is. I'm like him or her, bring him in. It's a him. (laughs) Oh my God. You're so cute. (laughs) The audience that can't hear right now, a cat is on the camera. Um, on the camera a cat is on the camera (laughs) well you know I traveling in from what you guys both experienced being 16 feeling like you had 
the knowledge of the world and then kind of developing as you grew older and understanding there were different challenges you were going to jump into along the way. You know, what do you feel like you both sort of experienced together that led you into, you know, being able to lean on each other in even the darkest of times? I mean, that kind of started, that was kind of the basis, I guess, starting our bond as like being best friends. You had just moved here and I had just like stopped going to high school. I think we were going through really similar things. I think the thing that really made us like bond over everything was kind of going through, we were really thrown in headfirst Mm -hmm. into like our first tour ever was with Selena Gomez. You know, we were opening for 40,000 people every night. Mm. It was just like from writing a song on her couch to going on this massive tour And it was a lot to deal with at 17 years old. We were like, whoa, like what's happening? Like, this is not what we've pictured, but this is amazing. And so I think just kind of having each other to like, you know, because then after all of this, you go and you sit on the bus and it's like silent for like eight hours. And like, and it was so confusing at the time. And I, so I think having each other to like crack jokes with, or like look at each other on stage and be like, oh, that was really funny that nothing worked when we were playing that song, you know, like having each other to be like, this is so much pressure but it's going to be okay, you know, was definitely, I think what made us like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think people forget how lonely the industry actually can be. I mean, and I know that as well, you know, for so many years I've been traveling on my own and I actually had a band with my sister once upon a time and we were touring all throughout Europe and the saving grace of it all was being able to have that Mm -hmm. other person next to you. So when you went from go, go, go lights, camera action go home to silence and you're like, whoa, you know, but you have somebody to experience it with. So, I mean, it's a saving grace that you guys are obviously experiencing all of this together. In this show, we talk a lot about obviously body image. It's a wonderful Mm -hmm. topic that I want to discuss. Um, (laughs) And I'd be curious to sort of ask because both of you started out of the industry at so young. I mean, I was 17 when I was on a series of mine and my character had body dysmorphia who I played. So it sort of developed me into kind of having to identify with myself, you know, am I dealing with body dysmorphia or do I have tendencies to deal with that? And what do I think about who I am? Yeah. Not everybody gets asked those questions at a very young age, but for somebody like yourselves who were on stage at 17 years old, I'm sure the body image was something that was more at the forefront of your conversation than not just in your own mind and your own conversations, mm-hmm. because you're in the public eye, you know, what has your relationship been like with body image and, you know, how has that inflicted on your mental well-being? I think for me, before I even moved to LA, I was in London and I was doing modeling in London when I was 15, 14 years old. And I, before that, you know, I grew up on an island. Everyone was like, it was so, no one cared about what you wore. No one wore shoes. No one did their hair. No one wore makeup. So it was just kind of like, I love it too. And it was so free. And then suddenly I was like in London, you know, for fashion week. And they're like measuring every inch of my body and being like, oh, well, no, you know, like facing that rejection at such a young age, because you have like an extra inch around your hips was like, so harsh for me to deal with. I was like, Oh my gosh, like, is this Mm. real life? And then after I didn't like it, I was like, Oh, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this anymore. Like it, I think it affected me so much with my body image. And I was just like, I used to think I was so beautiful. And then I came here and suddenly people are telling me that I am not the way that I thought I was. 
And when you're that age, you're developing how you feel about yourself and how you look at other people. And so when I came here, I was definitely still struggling with that a lot. And I lived with Natalia and she knows that. I mean, she helped me through it a lot. And it's taken me years to say that I've, I'm recovering from it. And I don't think it ever fully goes away. I think if you struggle with something like that, it'll always be in the back of your mind. But I've definitely have come so far compared to where I was. I think it's also like what I like to say is like, it's like the leeches, you know, over time Mm -hmm. you have leeches of other people's opinions that you start to get masked with your own opinion of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like peeling off the leech of what like an agency said to you, peeling off the leech of coming to LA and not feeling like you're conforming into being an Angelino right away. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. peeling off these leeches of other people's opinions to actually see you, you know, was there sort of an aha moment where you were like, you know what? I see Ruby, I feel grounded in who Ruby is, and I'm going to love her no matter what. I think, yeah, I I had never gone to therapy before in my life. And I'm pretty sure it was your mom who was like, you should go to therapy. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know anything about it. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. She's like, just try it. Just try it. It's fine. It's just like talking to anyone. And I was like, "Hmm, I don't know. And I went and I think it was, it was so immensely helpful for me. And I, at first was so closed off. I was like, I'm not telling this person anything about my life because I just never, you know, and it was so scary. And then she didn't pry, you know, she was just like, well, let's just hang out. Let's just like draw pictures and chat and talk about your life. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. And I think it just kind of changed my whole perspective on everything and made me be like, oh, I don't have to deal with all of this by myself and realizing that there were people around me. And even though I was so far away from my family, like realizing I could call them and be like, oh, today sucks or like anything like that. I think I just felt super isolated even though I wasn't. And so I definitely think like realizing that I had an amazing support system around me kind of made me almost like take a step back and be like, it's going to be fine. (laughs) Yeah. And Natalia, what about you? Did you sort of, um, when you went from Nashville to LA, what was sort of your experience like when it comes to just feeling connected to your, your body and your ownership to self? I mean, it's definitely something that I guess like I've have struggled with as well, but I think over time, like, yeah, when I moved here, it was mainly more making fun of my Southern accent uh, <laughs> and so like, not really fitting in. Um, and yeah, that was just something that I had struggled with like all through high school. But having someone else that understands at a really young age was something that for me was super helpful. Yeah, I think, you know, body image is definitely not something that I don't think I'll ever be able to say like, oh, I'll never have an issue with that in my life because I think no matter what, like every day, it's the same thing for me as with my anxiety. Like sometimes I'll wake up and I'll feel on top of the world. I'll be like, wow, I look amazing today. Oh, I'm really feeling myself. I love my outfit. I love my hair. And I'll be like, this is great. And then other days you're like, oh, I don't want to go outside because none of my clothes look right today. I don't feel cute. I don't feel pretty. In those days. Yeah, that's and it happens to a lot of people. And I think, you know, it's something that a lot of people don't really talk about as much. And I just wish that people would be more 
like accepting to themselves to know that this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And so it's okay to feel that way and like not be so harsh on yourself. Cause I definitely was so harsh on myself being like, you're being ridiculous, Ruby, like snap out of it, but it's not something that you can just snap out of, you know, it's something that takes a lot of work (laughs) to get better and like a lot of healing and a lot of self-reflection and it takes years, I think, or at least it did for me. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I'm in the body image community. So I'm very thankful that I circle myself around a lot of people who are very outspoken about loving the bodies for what the bodies are. Yeah. It's an ever evolving process and it's an ever evolving thing. But if you can be that leader in your group to say, take a second, find something to validate yourself outside Mm -hmm. of your physical attribute and love who you are in this moment because acceptance is one of the best things that you can have, especially yeah. when it comes to your body image. I also think just, you know, something that's helped me so much is the language that I've used when I speak to myself, like my the language and the choice of words in my head and my thoughts when I'm mm-hmm. talking and thinking about my own body or what I look like can be so impactful. So like minding what you say about yourself is like something that has honestly changed my life. And like, we do it to each other all the time. You know, like sometimes one of us will say something negative about ourselves and we'll be like, Hey, yeah. don't say that about my friend. <laughs> like, that's not nice. <laughs> and so, you know, we have each other to kind of like check in on with stuff like that. But I also think it's really important to check in on yourself and be like, don't say that about yourself. That's not a nice thing to say. But you brought up a good point. I mean, it happens. And don't feel like it's none, you know, if you are trying to be somebody who wants to sit in the pocket of being body positive, that's okay to have those moments, but it's about being able to still be your best friend to walk alongside those moments to say, it's okay. If you need to stay home right now, if you need to be by yourself or you need to be able to process what you're feeling, that's okay. I'll give you that time, but know that you're still beautiful in that period of that moment. Um, Because like you said, sometimes it can be so daunting that you don't want to leave the house. And that can be a really hard, hard place to be in. And I don't think a lot of people acknowledge how hard that can actually be for some people. Yeah, I know that you know, with our friend group and our circle, we're very open about that kind of stuff. And we really Mm -hmm. talk it through with all of our friends. And I know that's something that a lot of our friends deal with. And so I think just being able to not feel guilty about it is really important because I definitely did that for a long time. I was like, oh, I don't want to go out tonight. I don't want to go to dinner. And I'd be like, oh, but I feel so bad. Like I should go, like it's the right thing to do. And then having that realization, actually, you know what, it would make me happy to stay home and do what I want to do for myself. I think that's a realization that has been very impactful for both of us. The power of no. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I, I'm so funny. I said this to my partner the other day. I was like, honestly, like, I think I said, I've just like shamelessly without guilt, I've said no for years. Like I'd be on the road and somebody be like, no, I'm cool. I'm going to go to the spa instead. But it's just, I think it was like a subconscious thing being like, bro, you need to take care of yourself. So exactly. you take care of yourself is like not going to be Saying getting dressed no up. Is so powerful. And it makes it like, you just make more time for yourself yeah. and like saying no to anything. You know, if there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you feel weird, just don't do it, you know? And that's something that has been quite a big eye-opener for me because I think I've always wanted to please people. 
And so recently I've been like, actually, I would much rather be pleased with myself <laughs> and just like live the life that I want to live. I think that's an amazing way to put it. You know, instead of being a people pleaser, you want to please you and for yeah. you. What does that look like? Like, let's change the narrative. If you are a people pleaser, maybe don't look down upon that. Just start pleasing you. Start reflecting mm-hmm. it within. Um, I want to tap into obviously Jackie Kennedy, because I think Jackie Kennedy mm-hmm. has an amazing story behind it and a really eye-opening way for people to understand about opioid prevention. And that is something that I want you, Natalia, to speak from your own words about Jackie Kennedy and Luke and his beautiful story and how it kind of led you guys to where you are today. It was, you know, something that I couldn't talk about for a long time. And again, I think with our songwriting, it really helped me to be able to be vocal about it and be open about it so other people can hopefully relate and understand that they're not alone going through this. It's a very hard thing to lose someone to an overdose and it can be really isolating and really hard to talk about. And so the Luke Love Foundation was created by Luke's mother for people to go and just be open and talk about it, about grieving and just understanding each other's feelings going through it. And Yeah, for me, I think the most cathartic thing was writing about it and being able to perform it and having people come up to both of us after and explain what they went through, whether it was a loss of a relationship or really losing someone. And it was just a really helpful experience for me and for you. Yeah. How old were you guys when this all happened? 18. Yeah, 18. Um, And I think, you know, for... The Luke Love Foundation, I think what is so special about what um, Luke's mom is doing is she's starting this organization and trying to raise money to make Narcan more available to people. Yeah. Um, and it's ideally her goal is to have it be so readily available that if something were to happen that you have it in your fridge or your neighbor has it in his fridge. And I think that would prevent so many premature deaths. And I think in the entertainment industry, in any industry, in any walk of life, you know, sadly, we've lost so many people, so many young, beautiful, amazing people to the opioid crisis. And something as simple as having one medication in your fridge can save someone's life. And it's such an, it's, it seems so like polarizing to think that, but it's true. And so it's definitely an organization that we support so much. And we hope that um, that medication can become more readily available to people like around the world. For somebody who might not know necessarily what Narcon does, can you explain that a little bit better? Yeah, it's um, it stops the receptors in your body from accepting the drug or whatever you're yeah. overdosing from, and it can like really bring you back. It's it basically that you inhale reverses the effects of an overdose for opio- opioids. Um, which is amazing, which is, which is amazing. And I think that the more people, you know, for even for myself, I didn't know that Narcon existed, you know, and I think that it's a, a wonderful thing for people to know, especially if they are struggling or dealing with somebody who, um, is going through, a an addiction and, you know, necessarily needs the help, um, but doesn't know where to get it. At least, you know, that you feel like you have something in the house to be able to take care of all needs. Um, Something that hospitals carry and most ambulances carry, but, you know, sometimes 
that can take time. So it's something that works most of the time. So it's something that I think is really important that people are aware of because it can save people's lives. And, you know, sadly in LA, you know, there's, you hear about it very often. And I think in a lot of places you do, but sometimes we'll wake up and be like, oh my gosh, like that, that remember that kid that we bumped into at that restaurant, like he was so young and then now he's gone. And so I think that this foundation is definitely like shedding light on all of that. And um, Luke's mom has done an amazing job. Well, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm so proud of you girls for even putting out the song and being able to, you know, talk so fearlessly about Luke's story because he was a wonderful part of your life. And he sounds like he was a wonderful person and, you know, the legacy sort of lives on and being able to help another through what his mother and the foundation is doing. And I think it's really important. It's important to knowledge is power, right? And not a lot of people know about these things. And so sometimes it can be really difficult to speak about them, but when you do speak about them, you start to be the solution for somebody who may have never knew that they're was a solution you know and that's exactly what you both are doing i want to tap into like wrapping it up a bit because you have such an amazing journey and i could probably talk to you guys forever but (laughs) the last couple songs that you guys have just released even just forget you and hurt they talk about relationships and relationships are seem like they're a really important thing in you guys' life. The relationship you two have together is so strong that you feel comfortable. But what have your relationships been like, you know, with your loved ones or your your lovers that have kind of brought you to this place to write this music? I mean, they're definitely from different experiences from over the years. Yeah. I think, you know, especially when you're in your formative years, you know, those relationships that you have with your lovers and your partners can be so impactful on you for the rest of your life. And I think that for us, when we write about things, we write about music and we write about songs. um, A lot of it sounds like we're writing about our partners or our lovers, but it can be interpreted in any way. You know, it could be something that we wrote about our relationship with ourselves or with each other or a love song I wrote about my cat, you know, you never know what it could be exactly about. Um, But I think it's difficult to maintain relationships with the life that we live, or at least that's how I've always felt it because I think it can come across as being selfish for me where I'm like, my priority right now is my music and my work and Natalia and my (laughs) life. And so I don't, I haven't always had room, you know, to Mm. deal with other stuff. And so I think that's why we've been writing (laughs) so much about that. Yeah. I think hurt, especially just came from a place where we were both looking at each other, kind of go through a really different relationships (laughs) that (laughs) gets confusing that, you know, we were seeing each other get hurt and watching each other be such a great person to someone else and it just not being reciprocated. Yeah. And I think, you know, we kind of went through this thing at the same time without really admitting it to each other that we were in unhealthy relationships, but we were, you know, I would say to her, be like, that was not right. What he said to you, that wasn't okay. And she would do the same thing to me, but we couldn't take our own advice, but we could give it to each other. And so I think after we had left independently of those situations we sat down and we were like you know what we should write about that because I don't think either either of us realized our own 
situation yeah or our own worth at the time until later even though we were telling each other constantly (laughs) I don't think that we had that realization until later so how did you guys end it because I'm I I asked the question of you know finding your self-worth again to be able to know actually I need to walk away from this to be able to open up to the possibility to feel secure within myself right yeah how did you find that sense of security to walk away I, at least for me, I wish I could say that there was a specific thing that happened. Yeah. There wasn't, you know, one day I actually literally just woke up and I was like, my flight is booked tomorrow to go home for Christmas. I'm like, goodbye. Like I'm leaving. I'm breaking (laughs) up with you. I'm leaving the country. So there's really nothing you can do about it. (laughs) So I'm out. And I think it took me having to physically remove myself from the situation to actually be able to have the strength not to like cave and go back. Sometimes it's really hard. It is really hard, especially when you've, you know, you've been with someone for so long and Mm -hmm. you love them, even if they don't treat you the way that, you know, you deserve to be treated. And so I think, I think you just one day reach your threshold or at least that's what happened to me. I was like, this is not it anymore. (laughs) I'm out. I was in a long distance relationship too at that time. So it was pretty similar. We were going through really similar experiences. I know. And I think sometimes when one of us is like, we have to live that like hot girl summer life, like let's just be (laughs) single and have fun. (laughs) It really encourages the other one to do the same thing. Yeah. We're like, I did it now. I know you can do it too. Well, you, I mean, obviously you guys had a great support system as well to be by each other's side to be like, all right, it's time now. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. Rip the bandaid off. Yeah. I want to end off something quite fun. What are your love languages? Do you know? Oh, I know mine for sure. Do you know yours? Probably like giving or like doing nice things for someone. I don't know. What's yours? Mine's 100% physical touch. It is like a lot. I'm physical touch all the way. (laughs) You are physical touch all the way. I feel like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I like to see that I'm not, um, what there's one that's like gifting. That's not mine is a, what's the, there's the other one. It's no, no, it's acts of service. Acts of service are very big for me. Like even the smallest things, like if I'm walking and I find like a little flower on the ground, I'm like, oh my God, it's a flower. And like that to me is me like showing my affection, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I love it. Well, you guys, you are using all of your passion and purposeful goods to be able to put it into the music you're creating and you're helping so many people. I know you both individually have gone through a lot and I just want to say thank you for sharing and for allowing us all to come inside and to know what's going on because it's helping so many other people want to look within and know that it's okay to not be okay all of the time. As I leave every episode, I like to ask my guests a few questions that tap into what make them them. Mm-hmm. So can I just ask you guys, you know, we talk a lot about on the show, building your personalized toolbox to lend to our emotional journey. What served you both individually the last time you experienced a flare-up or challenging moment? Ruby, I will let you go first. Um, I think for me, what served me best is removing myself from being confined to one place and just going outside and going for a walk and like looking at nature and just trying to like accept the beauty that was around me. I think that was like very helpful. I just went for a walk and I was like, wow, it's such a beautiful day outside. (laughs) I think for me, it was like learning how to control 
my panic attacks better. I don't think it's something you can ever really like fix, but learning how to cope easier with that or like having exercises that work for me, it's different for everyone, but that's been something that's been really helpful and made me feel more confident to be able to stop it and continue to have my day. What is an exercise that works for you? Oh, the three things exercise is so good. It's like three things you can hear, three things you can see and three things you can feel. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Even halfway through it, I'm like, this is stupid. It's not working. But by the end, for some reason, it really works for me. I think the um, exercise that works the best for me is breathing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that seems so simple, but it really helps me a lot. Slowing your heart rate down down and taking some really, really deep, long breaths. It sounds ridiculous. And when I tried it, like for the first multiple times, I was like, this is not working. (laughs) And then eventually (laughs) now that once you manage to like control it, it really, really helps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of those work for me as well. I mean, the three things I definitely do. And that's like a new technique that I've even learned just on the show, but it really does just brings you down. You're like, okay, this is really silly that I'm doing this right now. But once I'm actually looking out to see, instead of like looking in to see, it allows you to know that Mm -hmm. you're in reality, you're grounded and that you're safe. And the breathing thing is fine. Yeah. I always do four breaths in, four breath, hold, four breath Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I'll do that for a long time. Me too. <laughs> Same. I'll like catch myself and be like, wow, I've been sitting here literally just with my eyes closed, just breathing for so long, but it really does help. It yeah, it really, really does. And then lastly, what were the three biggest lessons you've learned in your life? And maybe these are lessons together. Let's see. These can be words, feelings, saying stories, whatever authentically comes to your mind. I guess the first one from both of us that we've learned, and I think is kind of the basis of why we write music together is to share your truth mm-hmm. and All not to be afraid to do that. Yeah. Um, I think not letting your experiences or things that you've been through define you is something that we've learned. And I think also something that we always remind each other of is like, no matter what happens or how unkind the world has been to you or to just never be bitter and to just stay soft and be kind to everyone, no matter what. And if someone comes at you saying something negative, just give back something positive because you can always rise above everything. Amazing. Well, you guys, you speak up for yourself, your needs, you validate your, your emotions, and it's all just so, so important. And I just want to say, Thank you again for each of you for just being brave and sharing your story, allowing for a safe space for your audience to go to, to feel seen and so, so, so much more. So thank you. Thank you for creating this space for us to talk about it. Oh, well, you're always welcome back, but just know (laughs) that you have a friend in me. You know, it's, it's lovely to meet other people that feel open enough to talk about what they're going through. And then it makes you go like, okay, I have somebody to maybe call and that understands what's up. Understands like a panic attack's not just going to go away by saying, calm down. Yeah, (laughs) definitely not. (laughs) Well, if you guys are looking to connect with these wonderful, wonderful ladies, a little bit more. They can be reached on their Insta, which is at Bahari, their Facebook, Bahari Music, and their Twitter, 
Bahari. Thank you, girls. Thank, Thank you. you. And if you are looking to continue the conversation around living an unapologetically authentic lifestyle, then this podcast is just for you. Our goal is to build a community in which you feel empowered to celebrate you by hearing inspiring stories of ownership to self. To always remember to lead with the three M's, that's mindfulness, movement, and mental engagement. You've got this, and we're here to support you along the way. So be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss an episode. It's okay to not be okay in your journey to become grounded in the power of you. Now, some of the topics we discussed today may have been triggering. So if you're in need to speak to a crisis counselor, please text home to 741-741 or head over to projecthealthyminds.com slash guide to find mental health resources based on how you're feeling or what you're going through. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Haley Hasselhoff, Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan Dematty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice. Do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the host and the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.